Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. We've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever gonna be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless, enjoy this word. For just a few minutes today, I wanna to preach out of 2 Kings chapter two. And I want us to find as a text of harmony, the fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel, the 13th verse. I'll begin reading in 2 Kings chapter two, verse number, uh, what did I give you, Chad? Yes, 19, making sure. Verse number 19, when you have it, say amen. Then the men, somebody say the men. Then the men of the city said to Elijah, Elisha, please notice the situation of the city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. And he said, bring me a new cruise or a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source. Somebody say the source. He went out to the source of the water and cast salt therein and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Flip over to Matthew chapter 5, please, verse 15. 13, pardon me. Matthew 5, 13 reads like this. You, come on, turn over, look at your neighbor, tell them you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the salt of the earth. Elisha took a new bowl and put salt in it and threw it in the source of the water. It might be because Devin and I and the children are going to dip out later uh, this week and go catch a little bit of a break. How many know we need a break for a few days? Amen. And uh, I got beach on my mind, so maybe that's where this thought came from today. But look at somebody tell them we're living the salt life. The salt life. The salt life. How many know that God has called us to be the salt of the earth? And there's something about our life that ought to make a difference in the world we're living in. If you believe that, say amen. Pray for me, I'll pray for you. Father, for the next few minutes, I pray that you'll give me the ability to teach and preach the word of God with authority, with accuracy, with unction. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus that has been supplied by the Holy Ghost. And I pray today that not only would I teach in that spirit, but that they would receive in the spirit of wisdom and revelation as well. I pray you would give us ears to hear what the Lord is saying to the church. As you did in the book of Revelation, walk among us today, Lord. Put your finger on the things in our life that need the attention of heaven. I pray today, God, that if there's anyone left in this room who is not right with you, I thank you that it is not difficult, it is not religious, it is not complex, Lord. It is simply a matter of turning. All they got to do is make a turn to you. And I pray before we leave today, anyone who's not right with you would just turn to you and live today. 
I pray for this house that this house and this tribe of people, this company of believers would not just experience great services on Sunday, but oh God, would you help us to affect the culture that we're living in. May the generation that we are a part of know you because of the manifestation of your power through our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Second Kings, the second chapter, is a transition text in the Old Testament, namely between a very famous prophet, in fact, perhaps the most famous prophet of the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah, whom God used in a powerful way to, in more than one instance, turn the heart of a nation back toward Yahweh. Elijah was this peculiar prophet who prayed that it wouldn't rain and it did not rain and then he prayed again that it would rain and the famine ended and God began to release rain on the earth. It was this prophet Elijah who called for fire. Prays a 63 word prayer and fire comes from heaven. Consumes the sacrifice on the water and uh, on the altar and licks up the water that are in the trenches around the altar. It's this prophet Elijah who confronts Ahab and Jezebel, slays the false prophets of Baal, God uses him in a powerful way. And there was this sense of spiritual comfort among those who were hungry for God as long as Elijah was in uh, the role of a prophet, as long as he was sitting on his seat uh, of the prophetic ministry. There was this sense that there is a voice of God among us. We can hear the voice of God. The prophet always points the people of God back to the heart of God when they wander from the Lord. Amen. And so we see through the hand of Elijah, through the ministry of Elijah, we see God working to bring Israel at various times back to the heart of God. But in the second chapter of 2 Kings, the book that I read to you from today, Elijah has now been taken up in a whirlwind, in a chariot of fire. He is no longer on the planet. His ministry, his mantle is no longer on the planet. And there is this void in among the people of God of this prophetic activity. And I want to make sure you understand that prophets are not uh, optional. Prophetic ministry is not optional. Uh, Devin and I talked for seven weeks on this on Wednesday night because we do not believe that when Jesus gave apostles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in Ephesians chapter 4, we do not believe that he made them optional. We believe that the fivefold is necessary for the full development of the body of Christ. This is why there is such anemic ministry going on in the earth today because everybody in the kingdom now is a pastor. That is not scriptural. We need the voice of prophets. We need the voice and the anointing and the mantles of prophetic ministry because prophetic ministry often comes into our life to point us back to the heart of God because if the truth be told, all of us are prone to wonder at times. And sometimes it's through deception. Sometimes it is through uh, we just lose our way. We become casual in our Christianity. We become, we become caught up with the things of this world. And sometimes we need that prophetic, mm, that, that thrust of prophetic ministry to point us back to the heart of God. If churches don't like prophets, then churches sometimes are prone to wander into their own isolation. It's religious isolationism where we, we want the message that we think we want and we don't want 
anything that makes us uncomfortable. But Elijah doesn't care about our comfort. Elijah is concerned with our character. The prophet is concerned with us becoming who God wants us to be and staying close to the heart of God. And in the second chapter of 2 Kings, this prophet is now, he is now gone, taken up in a whirlwind and rode off to heaven in a chariot of fire. And Israel is now wondering, where, where, is, the, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And all of a sudden, you know the story, and I don't have time to go reteach the whole thing we taught on Elisha before, but Elisha is the protege of Elijah. And it is Elisha who comes to Elijah and says, I want double of what is on your life. I want double of the anointing that is on your life. And Elijah, the older man, says, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I'm taken up, if you see me when I'm taken up, you can have what you're asking for. And as Elijah steps on a, a, a fiery chariot and is taken up in a whirlwind, it is Elisha who is standing there and he catches the mantle of Elijah. And you know the story. The spirit of the Lord falls on Elisha and God begins to move through Elisha to the tune of double. If you believe that Elijah worked 14 miracles, then some people would say Elisha worked 28. Some people teach that Elijah worked 16 miracles, and those same people believe that, that Elisha worked 32 miracles, double of what his, pro, his predecessor had released in the earth. And here's the point. The point is this. There's always a transition of mantles in the generations. God refuses to leave a generation without prophetic witness, without prophetic unction, and without the anointing of the Holy Spirit and I have good news for you when God releases a fresh mantle it is always an increase of what preceded it you need to understand that God saves the best for last this is the antithesis of how the world operates but in the kingdom of God the last shall be Come on, he saved in John chapter 2. He saved the best for last. I think God is wanting us to understand that in light of the generation we are living in, in light of the darkness that is trying to prevail, that is trying to impose itself in our generation, we do not need to be discouraged, depressed, or heavy about the assignment before us. We need to understand that if wickedness is abounding, grace is much more abounding. If the enemy is working over, over time, God will never be outworked by darkness. God will always pour out something greater than hell has to offer. If Elijah's generation got by on 16 miracles, if Elijah's generation got by on that measure of anointing, then I want to report to you Elisha's generation is going to experience an increase, and I want to declare to you that the kingdom of darkness will still be defeated because of the presence of Christ in in our generation. It is not time to write the epitaph over the church and to preach her eulogy because the church is not going out of business. The church is not going under. The church is not in trouble. Greater is he, I said greater is he, that is in us than the one that is living in this world. And I want to preach that because sometimes we think that, that the older generation had it made and we have our hands full in a way that we don't know what to do with the darkness going on around us. The measure of wickedness will never be greater than the measure of God's anointing on a generation. The church has got to quit acting like we're in greater trouble now than we've ever been. If the darkness has gotten darker, then the light and the measure of light has only increased. 
priest. God is up to something in our day. Our responsibility as the church is to affect culture, to make a difference in every generation. The people of the kingdom are intended to manifest kingdom life and make a difference in the world around them. And 2 Kings chapter 2 is a reminder of this transition that occurs in the generations. It's a textbook teaching in how God moves from one mantle to another, from one ministry to another. I don't know if you're catching this or not. I hope you have the spiritual perception to, to be catching what's happening in our day. But there is a transition of mantles going on. I've never seen so many generals dying and going home to heaven. So many mothers and fathers in the faith who have run their race and they've kept the faith and they've crossed the finish line. And, and, and I don't know if it, ever, if it ever deals, messes with you, if you ever deal with it, perhaps because of where I'm at in the kingdom of God and the responsibility on my life. I start seeing these mantles of these giants and these generals uh, as they, they, they go to heaven. And I wonder where are the people who carry the flag of the kingdom like they carried the flag of the kingdom am I making sense to anybody uh, where, where are the Billy Grahams where, where are the people who carry the miracles the signs the wonders the mantles of the supernatural uh, uh, like those in, come on is anybody understand what I'm talking about where are the people who prayed like that where are the people who preach like that where are the people who led in the kingdom and were a voice of the kingdom like that and here's what I want to preach to you today that as awesome as those ministries were the reality of it is if you look closely at the ministries that, that we often find ourselves uh, epitomizing and, and some even uh, we, we, we just absolutely think it's the, the greatest thing and that it could never be any greater. Here's what I want to tell you. This text reveals something to us that as awesome as Elijah was, his assignment wasn't finished. Let me teach. Elijah did some work in Jericho as well. But after he left the planet, it was Elisha who was called on by the men of Jericho to come and see about their land. As I read this, I asked myself the question, why is it that Elisha is having to deal with the problem that Elijah could have dealt with? Why is it that a younger generation, a protege, one coming after Elisha, why is it that he is having to deal with the situation in this city when Elijah had already been there, but he did not fix the problem of the city? See, you must understand something, family. I want you to see that the incomplete assignment of Elijah was not an indication of his failure, it was Elisha's invitation to complete a thing. When you look at what Elijah did not finish off, Elisha shows up to finish the job. This city, when Elijah went through it, it looked like everything in the city was beautiful. In fact, that's what the text teaches us. The text teaches us that when Elisha showed up, the men of the city came to him and said, Elisha, look at our city. We have a beautiful city. It's pleasant to the eye. But the problem is not what you see with the natural eye. The problem is what's going on beneath the surface. 
And if we're going to understand something about generational transition and generational ministry, we have to be able and courageous enough to take an honest inventory of what we have finished and what we have not finished so that we can see our assignment in our day. I hope I'm connecting what I'm talking about right now. Elijah could have fixed the water problem of Jericho, but just because Elijah did not fix it doesn't mean Elijah is a failure. It meant that he knew Elisha was coming behind him to finish what he had started. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is that God is raising up a generation of people who are transgenerational. Uh -huh. I didn't say transgender. I said transgenerational. That means that we are sons and daughters and mothers and fathers. We are millennials and generation XYZ baby boomers. Come on somebody. Our church is not just a young church. Our church is not just an old church. Our church is not just a traditional church and we're not just a contemporary church. We we are a tribe of people who recognize that the God we serve is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That what God started in Abraham, he is willing to finish in an offspring named Jacob. What God began in Billy Graham, God said, I'm willing to, I'm willing to complete it in a younger generation. I hope you're following me. What God started in T.L. Lowry, God said, I'll finish it in a younger generation. Some people see this as chapters instead of a big story. I want you to understand we are a, we are a multi-generational church. And we are here today picking up the mantle of Elijah to operate in the spirit of Elisha. And that's why you can look at Elisha and say, like the prophets, the sons of the prophets did, they said, watch this. They looked at Elisha, but they said the spirit of Elijah is upon him. Wait a minute. How can he be a younger generation but be identified as the one that came before? Because this is a multi-generational God who will put the anointing of a previous generation on a younger generation and it'll look a bit confusing because on the outside they look young. On the inside they feel old and it's because this is the God that sews it together. He pieces it all together. This is not another kind a church and another thing and another no 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 this is the same anointing that was poured out in an upper room that has been released over afresh anew over and over and over again Elijah could have finished it but Elisha is the one who finished the unfinished part of the assignment you must understand that previous generations were not unproductive. They were just unfinished. I'm going to say it again. Previous generations, okay, let me say it to you like this. How many would recognize that our cities still need God? If you think having good church services on Sunday and hiding out till the, till the Lord Jesus comes and takes us all away, if you think that's the agenda, you've missed the gospel. 
The gospel is not us hiding out from the spirit of the Antichrist and the whore of Babylon and barely making it to heaven. The gospel is you become salt and light and you turn the world upside down and you take kingdom territory and everywhere the sole of your foot touches, that belongs to God and the kingdom of God suffereth violent and the violent take it by for that's the kingdom of God. And we got to fix this thing about getting saved and hiding until Jesus comes and rescues us. You are called to be the light of the world. Nobody lights a light and puts it under a bushel. Jesus didn't save you to hide you because he's worried about you falling back into sin. Jesus saved you and hid you in Christ so that every person who ever looks at you notices that there's something that definitely different about you and the difference is the qualitative presence of God on your life. I'm not who I used to be because of who owns me now. I have the spirit of Christ living within. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. And in this text, we see this transition between Elijah and Elisha, between an older and a younger. And we see that the city is beautiful on the outside. And if you're not willing to be courageous and honest, you would be, you would be okay with looking at the city and saying, this is a nice place to raise a family. Because Jericho is a beautiful place. In, in fact, it is a flagrant, a fragrant, not flagrant, fragrant place. It smells amazing. It looks beautiful. To the eye, it is absolutely gorgeous. But the men of the city said, we have a problem. The water is bad and the ground is barren. This is interesting because actually one thing is feeding the other. Literally, when it said the ground is barren in the Hebrew, what it means is that nothing is able to bring about full measure or full term seed. It literally means that even the crops in the, in the land of Jericho could not bring seed to fully bear. Women in Jericho could not bring their seed to full term. They were miscarrying. Mm -hmm. Keep reading it in the Hebrew. It'll show you. There were miscarriages happening. There was something attacking the future. Something was attacking the offspring. Something was attacking the possibility and the potential of reproduction. I want to help you understand, church, that the enemy will always control the future of a city by trying to control its ability to reproduce. Satan will always attack sons and daughters as it regards the future because you must understand that as long as God continues to see the birth of a new generation, there will always be a person on this planet that the spirit of God can inhabit and when the spirit of God finds a yielded vessel on this planet through that yielded vessel the spirit of God will always exercise dominion over darkness this is why the this is why the movement and I don't want nobody to get mad and leave thinking that I, I'm I'm beating somebody down but I got to tell you the truth because I love you this is why the LGBTQ movement leads us nowhere because if you follow that to the nth degree there is no reproduction 
And if the enemy could ever get a whole generation to buy into that deception, ah, you would no longer have reproductive possibility. And thus one day Satan could find an empty planet that he could inhabit and call his. But as long as the righteous come together and as long as Zion travails, there will always be offspring in this house that will serve as an announcement to the kingdom of darkness. You will never have a day in your future where you will rule this planet. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There was something in the city attacking the children. And see, everything is all right until Devin or I. Last week, 2,000 kids here, and Devin preaches a message about the power of blood. Like only Devin could preach a message about the power of the blood. And she started talking about abortion, and you could feel the room go like this. Why? Because the devil, you better hear me. I'm getting ready to I'm getting ready to throw my weight around in this room right now. The devil will hijack a message and will make it a political talk rather than a kingdom conversation. And I come to tell you I will not be intimidated by your look or by your letters I get in the mail or the emails I receive on Monday morning. Abortion has never been about the left and the right to me. Abortion has been about the kingdom and the Bible and the future. Your sons and daughters deserve to live and to hell with any spirit trying to kill off our babies. Turn my microphone up. I feel like preaching now. God is going to give us a revival of life in America and we've come to find out where the source of death is. Something's trying to kill the babies. Something's trying to kill the reproductive power of Jericho. And the men of the city, I gotta hurry, the men of the city said, our city's beautiful on the outside, but the, the water is bad and the land is barren. The land is barren because the water is bad. You can't put bad water on good land and have a harvest. Because whatever's in the water is what's infecting and contaminating the soil. And everything that lives off the soil gets the contamination that the water brought to the soil and it's this perpetuation of miscarriage. And when I think about water, water was intended to bring life but because everybody needs water. But what do you do when the source of the water in the city is polluted? then everything that the water touches dies with the pollution that is in the water. And the men of the city, I thank God for these men because some people would have left and found another city. 
Y'all know how we do in the church. This is not easy enough. So let's run down the road to another city and let us find a place where there's no water problems. The problem is, I want to tell you that when your problem is water, when your, and this is what I want to tell you, water was supposed to supply hope and life for everybody in the community, just like religion. Yeah, let me tie this into to what I believe the Lord was saying to me. This source of water was supposed to bring life to the whole thing. But when the source that was supposed to bring life is contaminated, it's just like religious structures and systems in our day. Our church is supposed to bring life, but if it's contaminated, everything it touches, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Everything it touches uh, experiences the contamination. And you say, Pastor, that's awful harsh. You shouldn't be talking about church like that. Listen, let's be real family. There are some churches that have four walls and a steeple, but on the inside they are ha they are hatching death. They are releasing death. There's no hope. There's no love. There's no peace. There's no joy. And everywhere they go, people are coming to them because it's like water. It's supposed to give me life. But every time I take a drink of it, something else in my life goes crazy. Can I tell you this evening, this morning, that what the Spirit of the Lord is getting ready to do in our day is raise up an Elisha generation that understands it doesn't matter how beautiful the city looks it doesn't matter how pleasant it is it doesn't matter how many bells and whistles and accoutrements we have if there is no life in the church if there is no Holy Spirit moving in the church you can throw it out and call it religion but if it's just religion it'll make everybody sick everybody ready for this I am sick of religion. Anybody else sick of religion? Can I tell you why I'm sick of religion? In fact, can I thank God that there are some of us who survived religion? Anybody in here survived religion? Yes, I want to thank God that God kept me from religion and he kept me long enough to find Jesus and he kept you long enough to find Jesus. There were some people that thought that you had to join it through their club, you had to jump through their hoop, you had to cross their red tape. They made it hard because they wanted it to be them, themselves, and, and their mama. But God is tearing down religious walls and he's tearing down religious bondage and he's purifying our nation and he's touching our generation until the love of the Father is released and life begins to touch those things that were dead. He said, we have a beautiful city. It looks so nice. Look at, look at our city, Elisha. Look at our city. Elisha, look at our church. Isn't it wonderful, Elisha? We have seats with padding. Elisha, look at the screens. See, the problem is when you invite a prophet to examine the condition of the city, the prophet is not interested in how it looks. The prophet is interested in where is the sickness and where are all the babies and where are, why are we having so many miscarriages in this place? I'm not just talking about this place. I'm talking about the kingdom. The kingdom is in need right now of an honest inventory. How are we losing so many sons and daughters? It bothers me. 
bothers me. It's been bothering me for four or five weeks now. If you can't tell, I've been preaching about it every Sunday. How do we keep bringing our babies into the world, birthing them by the Spirit, and then somewhere in their purpose they miscarry and don't come to full maturation? I tell you how. You better make sure they're connected to a healthy source. I'm going to say some things right here, and I'm getting ready to close. Before I close, let me tick somebody off. You better be careful what source you hook your children up to. You better be careful. I'm telling you right now, there's nothing wrong with your babies and my babies going to college and being at the top of their class and exceeding. I believe that our children ought to be 10 times wiser than the children of Babylon. Somebody say amen. But sometimes we take our young and we throw them to the wolves and we just ask them to fend for themselves. And then five years later, we can't find them. And they come home for Thanksgiving and they're talking out of their mind. Somebody got to get like Devin was this morning and start pleading the blood and rebuking the devil and telling the enemy, this thing is getting ready to dry up. This source of contamination is not going to short circuit the purpose of my children. And I'm thankful for the men of the city. Let me preach right here for a minute. Because if the truth be told, there had to be a sense of desperation in the city for men to show up talking about the problem. Because you know in most places, it's the ladies. You call a prayer meeting. I'm going to tell the truth this morning. You call a prayer meeting in today's church and 75% of the people who show up are ladies. I can't get no help in here. I can't get no help from the brothers. I got sisters over here yelling, yay, preach, bishop, preach. And I got men looking at me like they're mad at me right now. Hey, husbands, fathers, I came to talk to you. When are we going to take an honest evaluation and an inventory of the situation of our life and say, God, we need the injection of an anointing. We need the presence of a breakthrough. We can't get out of this mess ourselves. Our city is beautiful. We got a lot of potential. But the water is bad and the land is barren. The men of the city came to the prophet and he said, Yeah, you got a beautiful place, but we got to fix the source of the problem. We don't want to just go heal one family, we want to go heal the source of the water so that no more families have to drink from this mess ever again. Here's the thing. What is God's solution for a polluted source? Yeah, because, because if religion is like that contaminated water that brings death to everything it touches and short circuits the life of the seed and keeps it from coming to full maturation, if that's what water did in Jericho, that's what religion will do in our generation. If religion, if I had time, I would teach you how religion can kill people just like sin can. Because if I had time, I would tell you it was not the sinners that nailed him to the cross. It was religious people.
you got to be careful with them religious people religious people who obey God but not out of love anytime you walk in obedience but it's not out of love you turn into a Pharisee and the city has a problem at the source so what is the solution Elisha calls for a new bowl this is crazy here's a whole city jacked up with a bad source of water everybody's drinking the water and everything's getting contaminated fruit won't grow seeds won't grow sisters can't come to full maturation with their babies everything's having a miscarriage and it's all because of water and Elisha says bring me a new bowl and as I was praying about that this week, I said, why does he ask for a new bowl? King James says a cruise. This word cruise or bowl is only used one time in the entire Old Testament. It's very rare that you find a word used one time in the entire Old Testament. But this is the only place this word bowl is used in the entire Old Testament. And here's, here's why. Because had he gotten any other kind of bowl, a used bowl it would have had the residue of the pollution that was already bringing about the cycle of death in the city God said I gotta raise up a new cruise that is not messed up and contaminated with the residue of the mess that has been killing stuff. Listen, I hope you're comfortable with me telling you this, but God is going to raise up a new wineskin in this day, a new cruise, a new bottle of oil, a different kind of people who are authentic, who are genuine, who are not churchy and religious and starchy and fake. I'm sick and I'm anybody else sick of fakery uh, this this theology of fake it till you make it is it's absolutely absurd I don't want to fake anything if I'm hurting I need somebody that can be real enough with me to cry with me if I'm broken I need somebody love me enough to pray with me I don't want to have to walk in and play your game to be your friend don't ask me how I'm doing if you don't want to know if I'm broke down I might tell you I need prayer all this fakery in the church has produced skepticism in our sons and daughters because we told them everything was all right when we knew hell was breaking loose we don't need a bowl that has the residue of religion on the inside of it we need an authentic people who God raises up in this hour who can hold a fresh anointing that brings transformation So this is a new bowl. I'm closing. This is a new bowl. It's never been seen before. It's that kind of vessel. It's the kind of vessel that has never been seen before. God is raising up something fresh and dare I say something new in this hour. You hear new and you get nervous because you don't like new. But the prophet is, Isaiah said, behold, I'll do a new thing, even now. Do you know what the church is wonderful at? Shouting over new until it shows up. And when something new shows up, we say, I don't know about that. We ain't never seen it like that before. 
I'm telling you right now, insanity is doing the same thing the same way that you've always done it and expecting a different outcome. And we have churches trying to reinvent old methods, old structures, old wineskins. We dress it up. We pour perfume on it. We want it to look different. We want it to act different. But at the end of the day, it's not new. I want you to know God is raising up something qualitatively and quantitatively different. It's not that we're better, it's that God says in this generation, you're fighting stuff no other generation has ever had to fight. So I'm going to give you some weapons I've never shown anybody before. I'm going to make you a new cruise. Wait, it's a new cruise. And in case you don't like this, Jesus said, I'm going to make you a new wineskin. I'm going to pour out something new, but I'm not going to pour out something new in something that can't contain it. And so when Elisha calls for a new cruise, it's because it's an indication God is getting ready to do something he's not done before. Now you may say, Pastor Kevin, that sounds a bit hokey because God has done the same thing over and over again. Listen to me carefully. The content in the cruise was ancient. But the bowl itself was new. Salt is an old thing. In fact, you can flip all the way back over to Genesis and find out that salt was used to establish and, and to ratify a covenant. And you would take, you would take, uh, you would take Elizabeth some of your salt. And if you and I came into a covenant over a piece of land, if you owned a piece of land, you would bring some salt from your bag. And if I were going to buy it from you and you were going to let me have it, you, I would put some salt from my bag and salt from your bag in a bag. We would shake it up, and that would say that land belongs to you because. Until you can separate the particles of salt and put my salt back in my bag and you put your salt back in your bag until you can do that that covenant we established with salt can never be dissolved and so the salt is not new the salt is ancient but the cruise was new I'm trying to get the house to see something today we may have to make adjustments in what the bowl looks like but we don't need to make adjustments in what's going in the bowl what's in the bowl is the salt and the salt has always been the solution to purify to purify what is impure done with this salt does several things number one it purifies number two it preserves number three it provides flavor some of y'all are salivating right now some of y'all are seeing a seven foot steak over my head as you contemplate lunch today. Hear me, hear me. You need salt. 
in the old days, if you didn't have salt, everything you had in the meat house would ruin. They pack it in salt and preserve it. If something got messed up and contaminated, they put salt on it and purified it. If they got a wound, you pour salt in the wound, it'll burn. Why is it burning? It's killing stuff. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. He could have called you anything, but he called you the salt of the earth. Why? Because the truth needs preservation in a messed up world. Because the world needs the flavor of the kingdom in an otherwise flavorless generation. We need to remind people that they can taste and see that the Lord is good. You are the salt of the earth. He did not save you to put you in a salt shaker and put you on the table. Salt is meant to be shaken out. And when you and I see the problem in our city problems in cities across this world we look at it and and if the if the problem is religion what is god's prophetic solution to the religion that is bringing about miscarriage spiritually i tell you the solution get some people who are still salty get some look at somebody and say don't be so salty actually tell them be salty have you ever met somebody salty you know, they got that little bit of attitude. No, no, no. In the kingdom, salty means we're bringing flavor back to a flavorless religion. We're bringing hope back to a hopeless situation. We're not just going for, we're not just going for a house. We're going to the source of it in the city. Chattanooga doesn't need more religion. Chattanooga needs salty people to be released into the source of religion. And people need to drink fresh water again. Here's what the Bible said. Elisha threw salt from a new cruise into the source of the water that was bad and when he did he opened his mouth and said thus saith the Lord Jack can you put that scripture back up there I believe it's verse uh, 14 or 15 thus say, or maybe 20 21 thus saith the Lord these waters will be healed do you know what the word healed is in the Hebrew it is the Hebrew word Rapha it's the same place we get the word Jehovah Rapha. See, there was a prophetic act. The prophetic act was Elisha throwing salt in the, in the source that was contaminated. But it wasn't just the salt. That was the prophetic act that announced what he was doing. It really wasn't the salt that fixed it. It was the word of the Lord. Yes, I feel like preaching right here. It was the word of the Lord. We're the salt of the earth. If religion is bringing a bad name to the kingdom of God, we got to shut religion down and we got to become the salt of the earth that announces the kingdom life. Salt life is a whole nother kind of living. We don't just want to go to church on Sunday, sing three fast songs and hear a sermon. We want to go to the very source of hopelessness, to the source of death, and we want the presence of God in us to bring life everywhere the devil has tried to bring death. Thus saith the Lord, I have healed this water from it. There shall be, stand with me, from it there shall be no more death. I want to announce something today. 
I want to announce something today. In our church, in our city, I came to make an announcement. Religion is going out of business. That was a cute clap, but I came to tell you anyway, religion is going out of business. Religion that brings hopelessness, that brings death, that brings miscarriage, that people start in the kingdom but don't finish strong. Religion is going out of business. God said, I'm gonna heal the waters. going to heal the waters. The text says, from that day forward, until that day you read it, those waters have never been sick or contaminated again. I want to tell you, family, we're called to be a solution. If you believe that, lift your hands right now to heaven. We're called to be a solution. A solution for the source, and it might even be religious. It might have even flowed through a church. But I think God is separating in this hour the difference between religion and kingdom. How many understand what I'm saying right there? There's a difference between religion and kingdom. And the Spirit of the Lord is trying to get his people to understand that God is not in, interested in us just dealing out religion. Religion kills. God wants us to be a people of life, salt life. You are salt of the earth. God calls us to bring life everywhere we go. So I came to announce today, religion's going out of business. From this moment forward, from this day forward, we re-embrace all over again because we accept it with joy. The assignment of this house, I said the assignment of this house is to find the source of death and to replace it with the life of the kingdom of God. Every person you encounter this week that looks like they've been drinking from a sick cistern and a contaminated spring, I declare to you today, God has put the salt of the kingdom on the inside of you and you're gonna bring healing where there's hurting. You're gonna bring joy where there's heaviness. This city, this city was meant to be healed. I, I can't speak for every other city, but I know that we're assigned to this city. Look at somebody, shake hands before we go home and tell them we're assigned to this city. How many would testify that there's some sick, hurting, dying, broken, hopeless people in our city? How many know there are some structures and systems that keep people hurting and broken and dying and messed up on the inside? Hallelujah. I feel like for the rest of 2022, if God doesn't do anything else, if he will allow us to become the salt of the earth that brings hope to hopeless people, that brings life to dead people, how many, how many know there are some marriages and some families and some sons and daughters that just need to live again let me pray for you Lord today you don't need another religious group or another religious gathering come on lift your hands with me I want to pray for you I just want you to lift your hands right now because I want I want us to to say as a people this morning Lord whatever whatever we got to do to run religion out of business to purify the stream, to heal the source. 
to see restoration come to broken families who've lost everything. Some people have lost their purpose. They've short-circuited their purpose. Their destiny is all out of whack right now. They're on the wrong road. They're going nowhere. Today's a day of U-turns. Today's a day of new beginning. Today, God, I'm praying for people in this house to recognize that we have an assignment, Lord. This generation has an assignment. The bowl may look different, but the salt is the same. Lord, help us not to miss the assignment simply because we can't handle something new. I don't want us, Lord, to interpret the previous generation's unfinished business as a failure. I want this generation, and I need you, Lord, to help this house to see that what the previous generation did not finish is our invitation to complete. How many thank God for those who went before us? I said, how many thank God for those who paved ways for us? Can I tell you that if you look into their ministry and you see something that didn't look like it got finished, it wasn't failure. It was an invitation to you and I to finish something that a previous generation started. How many are going to finish something? We got some work to do. I said, I, we got to go. I know you got to go. But I said, how many know we got to finish something? We got some work to do. Lord, this week, let this house be like a new cruise, a new bowl. You filled it up with salt. Now this week, Lord, spread it all over the source of the sickness, the source of the hopelessness, the source in our city of cycles that continually, rep repetitiously bring people into defeat. Break the cycles and use this house to bring life. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder right now. Teachers and police officers and lawyers and nurses and doctors and businessmen and ladies all over this room right now. Holy Ghost, teach them that their identity is greater than their title. They are not just those things. They are the salt of the earth. They, they are the salt of the of co coaches and student athletes are the salt of the earth. You're pouring them on a source that is messed up. People are going to the wrong place for life. Lord God, I pray you'll heal the source. I pray you'll heal us of our religion. Everything that's brought about death, bring life now in the name of the Lord and use these men and women of God. Use them, Lord, to affect change in culture. Pray for your neighbor right now. We're leaving in, in about 60 seconds, but somebody pray a prayer that'll change your neighbor's life. God, raise them up. Raise them up to be salt. Someone needs to taste the kingdom. May their life bring the flavor of the kingdom. Lord, somebody needs to be preserved. Something needs to be purified. Lord, may our life and the witness of Jesus among us, may it bring hope. The city is pleasant, but the water is not. The ground is barren. Change that story right now. 
Change that story in Chattanooga right now. Change that story in Ringgold right now. Change that story in Utawa right now. Lord, we thank you for a beautiful place. But God, we're not just here for the beauty. We need the land to reproduce. We need wombs. Oh, Lord, I feel the anointing. We need wombs to get full again. We need sons and daughters to be born. We need things to come to full maturation. We rebuke religion that has short-circuited purpose. And we declare from this day forward, religion is losing its hold. Salt life. Salt life. People that have life, the salt of the earth. Father, you're throwing it. You're, you're casting it into the source. And today it's changing in Jesus' name. And we declare your blessing over our people. Keep them this week. Heal everything, God, I pray. Heal everything in every heart in this room right now that has been contaminated by religion. I thank you for bringing them out of religion into revival. Bless them now as they depart to be the salt of the earth. I thank you, Lord, we came in one way, but we're leaving field and we're leaving on an assignment. In Jesus' name. Somebody give him praise all over this room right now. Come on, we give you praise, Lord. Somebody really give him praise. I, I just believe, I believe testimonies are getting ready to come. I believe we're getting ready to see things happen. Listen, I believe that God is speaking to hearts right now. If you watch this message today and something said, brought strength to you and built you up in your spirit, gave you hope for tomorrow, I thank God that in this day and hour that we're living, that there is a word from the Lord. And the Bible tells us we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need the word of the Lord. And today this word, I pray, has produced faith in your heart. You want someone to agree with you in prayer right now. I want to take this moment to pray with everyone watching because I believe God's going to meet needs today. If you're lost and you feel like you're full of hopelessness and sin, just call on the name of the Lord. If you're sick in your body and you need him to touch you, you just call on the name of the Lord. If your family's falling apart and you need God to rescue your family, I want you to know there's a miracle for your family, for those of you who are watching today. Let's pray together. Father, move by your spirit right now. Someone's reaching out to you in faith, God. They need a miracle today. They need you to turn their situation around. I thank you that there's no impossibility. There's no problem too hard for you to solve. There's no mountain too big for you to move, Lord. Do it for them today. We agree together in prayer in Jesus' name that lives are being changed right now by the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Be blessed. Check us out on kevinwallace.tv, and I'll see you next week. God bless.